goes up with the two prophets spoken of in the books of Daniel and Revelation. Who are these two prophets? The first prophet is not debated by scholars, Elijah. However, the second stirs up controversy. Some say Moses, while most say Enoch. My position leans toward Enoch, while not negating the possibility of Moses. Why do I believe this? Both prophets must be prophets that did not die a physical death. That leaves Elijah and Enoch. However, history reveals Moses reappeared at Christ's transfiguration. That's right out of Matthew chapter 17, verse 3. This single notation causes some to believe Moses will be one of the prophets. We do know that God miraculously took Enoch without death. It says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, By faith Enoch was taken up, so that he would not see death, and he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. The Great Mystery We know that Moses died, but God also hid his body for some reason. Honestly, the mystery continues to this day. Deuteronomy 34 verses 5 through 7 tells us this. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in the valley of the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor. But no man knows his burial place to this day. Although Moses was 120 years old when he died, his eye was not dim, nor his vigor abated. In addition, all men must die a physical death. The rule also applied to Jesus. God requires it. However, this is controversial at best. Even the devil attempted to argue about the body of Moses with Archangel Michael. That's out of Jude 1.19. No matter who is correct, the fact that God sends two prophets for three and a half years to the earth is without debate. John states in Revelation, And I will grant authority to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1260 days, clothed in sackcloth. That's in Revelation 11.3. The number is 1260 days, equaling three and one half years. Now the question is, did they arrive at the beginning of the seven-year reign of Satan or the halfway marker? For some, this too is controversial. While I believe it is the second half of the tribulation 
I will need to prove this. First and foremost, the first half is focused on eradicating the remaining Gentiles. Since Satan will present himself as the Jews' Messiah, his focus will be on the Jews in the second half. The two prophets are and will be authentic Jews from a pure bloodline. In the second half, Satan is likely to present an image of being the Issa, or Jesus, of the descendants of Ishmael, the illegitimate son of Abraham. When the Bible references fake Jews, this is the group referenced. While the Islamic people are and have been Israel's greatest enemy through the ages, their claim to be pure bloodline descendants from the seed of Abraham is correct. Satan will play off this partial truth. The role of the two prophets is to separate the goats, fake Jews, from the real, pure bloodline Jews from the 12 tribes. Welcome to number 26, The Vision of a Man. While Daniel was on the riverbank, Gabriel opened his eyes to see the Son of Man, Jesus. How can Daniel see Jesus Christ in a vision when the incarnation of Christ had not occurred? The answer is obvious. Jesus has always lived past, present, and future. During the time of Daniel, Christ was active in the counsel and purpose of God. He agreed in covenant to be man, was promised and prophesied as such. And now Daniel gets a preview of his appearance in human form, which he frequently did before his incarnation throughout the Old Testament. In this, God revealed his pledge and showed his prophecy of the incarnation yet to come. By the way, what Daniel saw in his vision matches the image of Jesus in Revelation. That's found in Revelation 19, verse 8. Reviewing our scriptures, remember to study the entire chapter of 10. But today we will focus on verses 5 through 7. It says, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, there was a certain man dressed in linen, whose waist was girded with a belt of pure gold of Euphus. His body was also like beryl. His face had the appearance of lightning. His eyes were like flaming torches. His arms and feet like the gleam of polished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a tumult. Now I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, while the men who were with me did not see the vision. Nevertheless, a great dread fell upon them, and they ran away to hide themselves. You know, folks, that's not much different than today. Many people, as soon as they hear of the great revelations of Jesus Christ, 
They become fearful and they run and hide themselves from these quote-unquote difficult passages. First, we need to take a look at reviewing the two prophets. While the purpose of the two prophets in the second half of the tribulation is certainly clear, God withholds their identity from humanity. However, certain passages in the Word give us foresight of the possibilities. If a reader does not carefully review the prophecies, controversy will erupt. One of the prophets least debated is Elijah. Here we find a few proof points of this certainty. First of all, Malachi prophesied that Elijah indeed would return to prepare the way for Christ's second coming. He says this, Behold, I am going to send you Elijah, the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. He will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, so that I will not come and smite the land with a curse. That's Malachi 4, verses 5 through 6. Second point, a key doctrine to keep in mind. God requires all humans to die, even Jesus. In this doctrine, we discover that the individuals who were taken up without death must return to the earth to experience death. God miraculously removed Elijah from the earth and took him to heaven without physical death. At this moment, he is in waiting for the day of his return. After the two prophets are finished with their work, they are slaughtered by the Antichrist. Read more about that in Revelation chapter 11, verses 1 through 14. However, after three and a half days, they are resurrected. Another point, the two prophets will prevent rain from falling. If you remember, Elijah, while on the earth the first time, did the same. Read more about that in 1 Kings 17, verse 1, and Revelation 11, verse 6. Next point of proof, remember when Elijah called down fire from heaven. The two prophets will also replicate this action in their mission. That can be read in 2 Kings chapter 1, verse 10, and Revelation chapter 11, Verse 5. Finally, the drought Elijah imposed during his day lasted three years and six months. That's 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. We find this same duration of the drought the two prophets enact during the second half of the tribulation. Revelation 11, 3. As for the debate over Enoch versus Moses, only God knows. The fact that Moses appears with Elijah at Christ's transfiguration is significant. 
Matthew 17, 3 says, And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. However, this is not evidence enough to prove he is one of the two prophets. Since we know that the two prophets did not experience earthly death and were required to return to fulfill God's mandate, the second prophet was probably Enoch. The primary proof text for Enoch being our candidate is this. Jude 1, verses 14 and 15, it says, It was also about these men that Enoch, in the seventh generation from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord came with many thousands of the holy ones to execute judgment upon all and to convict all the ungodly of their ungodly deeds which have done in an ungodly way and all of the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. It would make good Godological sense that the one who prophesied the happenings of the second half of the tribulation would be the one to return to assist in bringing it about. Now let's look at the two prophets and the Son of God. The Son of Man, Jesus, caused a deep sleep to fall upon Daniel. Then Jesus touched him asked him to stand while he imparted these profound prophetic warnings. That's out of Daniel chapter 10, verse 11. He assures Daniel that his voice is heard by the living God. Daniel chapter 10, verse 12. He readies Daniel regarding what will happen to the Hebrew people in the latter days. Daniel 10, 14. He warns him that the prince of Greece in both the old and new is about to come. That's verse 20. He explains who the leaders are within Nebuchadnezzar's dream while giving him details of the rebirth of Rome and Greece stated in Revelation, Daniel 11. Finally, the Son of Man reveals that no one who stands firmly with me against these forces except Michael, the archangel. After three and a half years of the new Greece, the UN, taking the world through deception, the two prophets are dropped from heaven. The moment the great tribulation, second half of Satan's reign, begins. Looking at the power of the prophets, as Daniel was the only witness at the time to witness the first struggle to end all earthly empires, the two prophets of Revelation will suffer the same burden. Also, as Daniel's power was directly from God, as for the two prophets, it will be the same. Revelation 11.3 says, And I will grant authority to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1260 days, clothed in sackcloth. 
Both will be filled with the Holy Spirit of the living God. Thus, the speech and actions of these men will be that of the wrath of God, with such power that humanity or spiritual beasts can sedate. Secondly, the true bloodline Jews who get saved will recognize Elijah and Enoch, for each is familiar with them from studying the Holy Scriptures as to the prophecies of two coming witnesses, and they are related to these prophets by being pure bloodline Jews. More can be read about that in Genesis 37, verse 34, 2 Samuel 3, verse 31, and of course Deuteronomy 17, verse 6. The focus of the prophets is to remove the face mask of Satan, warn of the disasters under his reign, and reveal the reason for God's judgment has been brought down on them for rejecting Christ Jesus as Lord. The two witnesses or prophets implement three primary plagues. One, the plague of death. Two, the plague of drought. Three, the plague of disease. Not one of these punishments is delivered in anger or vengeance. They carry out the orders of God, who is angry and filled with revenge. There are two primary goals for the prophets. The first is to shake the pure bloodline Jews from their delusional thinking. The prophecy of the separation of the goats and the sheep is fulfilled at this time. In this, 144,000 bloodline Jews are separated from the masses. A chain reaction of salvations with the pure bloodline Jews follows. Secondly, the plagues bring punishment to those who refuted that Jesus Christ is the biblical Messiah. When the two of them are finished, all will know that each will be required to bow down and confess that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, who is God and the Son of God, revealing that the Antichrist is a fake. At this time, all hell breaks loose, resulting in the two prophets being slain in the streets. That only lasted for three and a half days. The reason God waits for an extra half day is profound. Jews believe that the spirit of the man remains close to the body for three days. It's a Hebrew belief. It is also why we here in the Western world wait three days before we put the body into the grave. Then God resurrects these two prophets in the front of the masses thus fulfilling the mandate that all men must die. However, God's choice is to resurrect them through Jesus Christ. In conclusion, the masses will celebrate the deaths of the two prophets. In fact, it says, and those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them and celebrate. 
and they will send gifts to one another because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. Now that's in Revelation 11, verse 10. But wait, there's more. After the three and a half days, doom and gloom hit them like a blast of wind. It says in Revelation 11, verses 11 through 13, but after the three and a half days, a breath of life from God came into them, and they stood on their feet, and a great fear fell upon those who were watching them. And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. Then they went up into heaven in the clouds, and their enemies watched them. And in that hour there was a great earthquake. A tenth of the city fell. 7,000 people were killed in the earthquake, and the rest were terrified and gave glory to God of heaven. That party didn't last long. Before recovering from the earthquake, their city falling, and 7,000 people died, they realized this was the second wave of God's wrath. It says in Revelation 11:14. The second woe has passed. Behold, the third woe is coming quickly. It is one thing to rejoice over the pain and suffering of indwelt believers, but it is completely different to insult a prophet, particularly the two final prophets. In general, the Christian masses spit these doctrines and prophecies into the wind. As a well-studied teacher, I can assure you that there is a price to pay for disbelief. Coming up next, number 27, Jesus reveals the kings of the North and South. We will explore the Son of Man, explaining to Daniel the kings of the South and the North, connect them to modern times, and conclude with a detailed description of the dragon, Satan himself. You don't want to miss this one. Thank you for joining us today. As usual, it is a privilege to have you with us. Until next time.